Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Yeah, but even if we make it up to the armory before them, all that firepower is going to be useless without an army. Like Maisie's. No, don't worry. Maisie's on board. What? Since when? Since a few hours from now. <laughs> from now? What the... What the f*** is going on with you, Winston? What the f*** is going on with me, Miles? I'll tell you. You all want guarantees. There are no guarantees. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a Decoding TV podcast. I am David Chen. I'm Patrick Klepek. Each week, This Week in Streaming, we cover a show that's new and interesting in the world of streaming. We'll tell you if it's worth watching, and if it is, we'll review and spoil and discuss the entire season of the show. Today, we're going to be discussing the entire season of The Continental from the Planet of John Wick. I'm sorry, from the world of John Wick. <laughs> I mean, it's you're not wrong, right? I, I, I suppose <laughs> it's also from the planet. That's not explicitly said, but I think we might be able to draw a through line there. <laughs> My understanding is it's actually Budapest... Uh, made up to look like it's New York City decades ago. Uh, is what, ah, uh, all right. What well, the, the old, the old Toronto world. is New York, yes. uh, as, as seen in many a television show. I, I actually think the show looks quite quite good overall, personally. I don't know what you think, Patrick. Were, were you a fan it's of how convincing. the show there was, There's nothing about, like, look, there are other things to talk about what the show is and isn't doing. The set design did not, like, it was fine. Like, it looks yeah. good. Like I Completely I delivered part. from yeah. a production design perspective. Okay, anyway. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us across all platforms at Decoding TV, Instagram, YouTube, threads, and so on. Uh, we're posting videos on there uh, on occasion. Uh, and of course, if you want to support what we're doing here, become a paid member at decodingtv.com. And I just want to shout that out for a second because uh, there is a lot of stuff we're going to be covering in the near future. Specifically, uh, if you're listening to this right now, I believe by this point you will have already gotten our recaps of Ahsoka finale and Loki season two. Uh, and there's a lot of other stuff coming out this fall that we're looking forward to covering for you right here on Decoding TV. So uh, if you want to support us, become a paid member at DecodingTV.com. It is how uh, this podcast continues to function is because of the paid members. So thanks to everyone at DecodingTV.com who makes this podcast possible. Okay. Let's get into the Continental. So, Patrick Klepek, we had originally thought about maybe doing a weekly recap of this show for the three episodes that there are, three 90-minute or so episodes. Uh, but uh, quickly killed that plan because, number one, <laughs> uh, the show ended up not being that great, in our opinion. And also, uh, it didn't seem like anyone we knew was talking about it. Mm -hmm. uh so change of plan however we couldn't just let the continental fade into obscurity we we were watching we were both of us were going to watch all the episodes so we're like we might as well have a conversation about it that's what this is let's start with this conversation let's start with this topic patrick before we dive into the, the detailed recap should people watch this show the continental from the world of john wick <laughs> no, uh, no. Oh, wow. uh i think it's interesting i think this show falls some of the reviews I've seen, like when I was reading up on the show after I'd watched it and sort of formed my my own reaction to it, were harsher than my own reaction to the show. This, mm -hmm. but I think some of that is to to a degree what the the high expectations for when you attach the name John Wick to something that comes with a certain set of expectations, which I do not think this show comes anywhere close to matching. Wow. Um, and okay. even from the even from the the perspective that the show is operating from of hey, less action, more drama and characterization, I really don't think it lands much of that either. And so even for the expectations the show sets for itself, I don't know that it meets and I don't think it meets the audience expectations for like the broader what what does John Wick mean when you attach that to to a work whether it stars Keanu Reeves or stars, you know, all the the actors in in this show. Um but but it's also the case that it just it feels very it's fine. You know, we talked about this, like we just had we just had another show where we talked with there was like with One Piece, right? 
is this bad? No. This is yeah. pretty well made. Yeah. Do I really think other people need to watch it? Your mileage is really going to mar- uh, vary on that one. At least with One Piece, there's a more of an opening because of the work it's based on, your history with that work. Here, in a funny way... You're, you're, well, you're really downplaying the vast corpus of John Wick movies <laughs> there, Patrick. I Lopez. actually think there's a chance that you might like this show more if you know nothing about what's going on in John Wick, mm, because your mm. expectation would just be, what is this show about these characters and what's going on in this hotel? Yeah. As opposed to, I've watched John Wick. I have I understand what I like and don't like from these series of films. What does this TV show have to offer? And I think it has quite little in, in that regard, or not enough for three full-length movie episodes. I, I think it sort of sets itself up it sets itself up uh, for failure in that regard by the end where it was not a waste of time. I think this is like, like has a lot of really uh, enviable craft, like some really fun fights, some pretty decent set pieces. It's sort of everything else that surrounds all of that. That doesn't really work for me. Never bought into any of the characters. Don't care about like the backstories of these main characters from the mainline John Wick series and what they're explained to have done in the past here. Eh, like that doesn't really change my feeling about them in the mainline John John Wick films. And so it ends up being in a really kind of weird space where I think I had mentioned in our original conversation, it struck me that this show could end up being a show best enjoyed as a series of highlight reels on YouTube, which is sounds so horrible for like, clearly like I went and looked up one of the actors on the show that who plays the sister of the twins. And like was celebrating like a bunch of shots of having worked on the show. It was like nine months of work. And then for me to be like, this show is best experienced through a horrible compression algorithm (laughs) on YouTube feels awful. And Mm. yet I think the best parts of (laughs) this show. Patrick is still able to go on living with himself, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, let's not go that far. I am still living. If other, how I feel about it is a, is a different yeah. beast altogether. You're right. But every it, moment that Patrick is alive is agony. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but it it has some really enjoyable highs. I just don't think it's worth the slog through the rest of it to get there. Is is kind of where I end up on this show at the end of it. Not a waste of time, but not worth the effort either. And that's an odd place to be, even amidst the writer's strike where we're getting things at a slower pace. Production's going to be slow, even as hopefully that stuff gets solved in the next week or two. I don't know that this rises to, hey, this is a show that you need to watch, which is too bad because I, I think there's a world where it could have worked. And, and for me, it did not. I feel like I largely agree with you uh, in almost every respect, including the idea that you might enjoy this more if you have no idea what's happening in the world of John Wick. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because then you have no expectations of all the amazing action from that, that series. There is some really good action in the Continental from the world of John Wick. In my opinion, there is not enough good action to justify watching this movie if you're, or watching the show if you're a John Wick fan. Um. I think I had a slightly more positive time than you with this this show, but I do think the first episode was the strongest. Yeah. Um, and so I got a false impression. Oh, maybe the rest of the show is going to be like this. Really, for me, the flaws of the show boil down to two things. And, and the first thing I think is going to be relevant for everyone. And the second thing is maybe only relevant for me. But the first thing is, I think that there were too many characters in the show. Um in the second episode, so there's three 90-minute episodes. In the second episode, they're still introducing new characters. <laughs> <laughs> like the first episode introduces you to, I'm saying, over, like literally over a dozen characters. And in the second episode, they're still introducing new people. This is the first time I've watched something and thought to myself, this really didn't need that Asian person in the show, right? Like, <laughs> well, like a thing on this show that only David can say. But you know what, David? <laughs> on this podcast, right, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you didn't really need to, like, look, I'm a huge fan whenever an Asian-American character shows up in any movie or show, because uh, it's like, hey, good representation out there. But I'm like, do we really need another character? The guy, did. He, I think he plays a character named Chen, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the actor did comp- very good. He was a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love that he didn't have a really thick accent. That was awesome. Um, but do we really need another character at this point? You know, like you already need to start, you've introduced so many characters in episode one. You need to start wrapping up like all the stuff that you've already, all the threads that you've already introduced, let alone be introducing new characters. Um, 
So that was the big problem for me is like, if they wanted it to be this epic of like all these different, this is more characters than freaking heat, you know, like (laughs) the Michael Mann movie. It's like, it's just like, you don't need this many characters, right? Like a lot of this stuff is redundant. Uh, A lot of these ideas are redundant. And, and I think that ultimately that's the biggest issue of the show is it didn't have enough focus. Um, I, I would argue, for instance, the KD slash Mayhew combo was completely unnecessary. Like the same point is already made. He's got to be sadder. He's already (laughs) sad that he killed these people because he's exploited by um, a man who took advantage of these brothers. But what if there was another person to make him feel a little more sad about it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the Frankie Winston plot, that, that whole backstory is already does the job. You don't need a whole KD Mayhew subplot to do the same thing. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's just too many characters, not enough material to really make you care about them, unfortunately. And that's a real problem for the show. Uh, the action, there are some really good action scenes in this show. Um, in fact, there's one really amazing, I would say there's two pretty memorable action scenes in the finale. Uh, and that's not bad. There's like, probably 30 to 40 minutes of action that has like many miniature scenes. And like two of those scenes I thought were really great. One of which is like an all timer. Great. In my opinion. Uh, and we can talk about that in the spoilers. So it's not like there's nothing worth recommending the show, but was it worth the journey to get to that point? Dicey, dicey, not, not super clear. So uh, the other thing I want to mention is the, the second big thing that kind of bothered me is uh, the Mel Gibson of it all. You know, like I just, I just can't divorce Mel Gibson's offline persona from who he plays in this show. And it just felt like a really unnecessary casting decision. Um, yes, he, he does go completely batshit in the final two episodes. And, uh, and I, I'm not saying he doesn't bring anything to it, but it's like, is this something yeah. that could have been done by another talented actor? Complete, totally. Like, I think, that, that's, yeah. that's the bit, right? Like, if you have a certain level, like, look, your personal... What you've done in your life makes me feel like sick and upset. And so then you need to bring something completely unhinged and different and exceptional. Not for me to accept this, but if I'm going to be watching it, at least let me be entertained and enthralled. And instead you just get, I don't know, a guy who's trying too hard. Like it really does feel like we're getting Mel Gibson. Ah, like I'm being, I'm being wacky and and out there. And it's just. (laughs) You could have gotten anybody off the street to do that performance. And it was just, it's just a giant unnecessary L and a show that didn't need to give itself other weak points uh, for you, the viewer. Yeah. Uh, I agree completely. And the issue is like, he's such a huge part of the final, final half of the show, you know? And so it's, it's impossible to ignore. That's just me though. Like a lot of people might think that what Mel Gibson did before was, completely fine or or they have no difficulty or they have no difficulty separating you know his uh-huh. on-screen work from his off off-screen persona you know like that's and that's fine if you know I, everyone makes their own decisions about the media they consume for me it was just like uh, the whole time i'm wondering to myself like why am i watching this and also i'm a little bit uncomfortable watching this um so those are the big issues with the continental from the world of john wick for me uh but yeah those are our overall thoughts on the show Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Let's dive into some of the specifics, Patrick Lepic. Uh, So, Patrick Lepic... The second two episodes, uh, episode two, night two, loyalty to master, um, night three, theater of pain, really over the top uh, names as we are (laughs) 
as we are used to in theater the theater of pain. I mean, this is a, a series that John Wick three parabellum. So you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that we have to get too precious about the naming schemes uh, here in the John Wickiverse. I, I think I've talked on the film cast about how like the guy who realized that parabellum has a different meaning in Latin than it does in terms of when you're naming guns must have like beautiful had the Antonio Banderas lean back in his chair smile on his face when he realized it's like the same look that David Goyer probably felt when he realized that Batman and Superman both had Martha for a mom you know it's like wow harsh it's like oh my god genius (laughs) I'm a freaking genius okay David choosing violence this morning the final two episodes of the Continental are about revenge and how the past informs the present uh, we learned that Winston and Frankie burned a family alive at the direction of Cormac. Uh, KD, the cop increasingly curious about the Continental, survived that same fire. Uh, Yen met Frankie in Vietnam on the verge of executing a suicide bombing. Lou and Miles have idealized a pure version of their father that doesn't exist. And Sharon is blinded by a desire to succeed to realize his father's dreams. Let's pause there for a moment. I mean, that's just a lot of backstory and like character threads that this show is trying to pay off. And I don't know that any of them is particularly successful. You know, like, I I don't know. Are there any of these storylines that you're like, Oh wow, that one really resonated with me. Um, I will say the yen almost executing a suicide bombing in Vietnam was like uh, pretty shocking, you know, like pretty Mm -hmm. shocking imagery to use for this show, which is otherwise feels like mostly popcorn fun, but like, um, I don't know. I also just watched this movie called The Creator, which has a lot of Vietnam imagery in it. Uh, a, a lot of Asian people getting killed, and I, I, I am, I do wonder about the filmmakers using this kind of imagery and whether they're doing so responsibly, you know, or whether they're furthering negative ideas or or perspectives that people have about Vietnam um, or or othering Asian people in some way. Anyway. These are just some thoughts clattering around in my head as I as I watch Yen almost suicide bombing someone um, in the Continental. So. Yeah, I mean, you're right because John Wick as a universe is sort of a playground of violence, right? In which, yes, you can feel like there they, it is orchestrated, is choreographed for you to feel the intensity of the combat, the encounters that are happening between like these different action figures for, for, for lack of a better phrasing, but it never feels real, right? It never feels as though it is attempting to portray what does violence feel like in the real world? What does that mean for that to be extracted and impacted on others? And I think that's ultimately like, I think that singular point, although this is an extreme example of it is like a lot of where this show just really falters under the weight of what it's attempting to do, which is what if we inject, like try to inject real arcs, feelings, backstories. Um, Oh, if we're going to do violence for four and a half, five hours, sometimes it's got to mean something more than just that looked cool. And I think you just start to get to yourself in a pretty dicey territory there. And I'm with you where, yes, that gives that character, like a pretty interesting backstory of like how they arrive at this point, how they meet this character, how they develop a relationship with Frankie. And yet it feels wildly out of step with what I expect from John wick and not, and frankly, not like what I expect or want to feel in this world, which isn't to say that you can't use expectations as a, like a method of subversion, which is like, oh, hey, like you th- you came here for this, but like you're getting that. And it's like that that can work. And I don't even think it was necessarily cheap. Like I do, th- like it's, it felt like in line with this character. It just didn't feel in line with the world. And I think it's because as you're pointing out, not only is it dealing with a ton of different pieces that it feels, they're not just existing along, like in parallel to each other. They're intersecting with one another. Like they all need to, pay off one another. They have connections to each other in the past, in the present, in the future, in ways that we know and we don't know. And just managing to have all those slot in nicely. Well, one is you're going to have to do a lot of things that are just very convenient 
and don't necessarily like pay off in a way that feels satisfying. And it's just like you said, a ton to pay off. There are like multiple characters that you can largely just excise from the storytelling here. I don't think she's one of them, but you can you can craft a version of the story that has half the amount of characters, and maybe yeah. that makes it harder to get to four and a half hours. And like part of the reason so many characters is it exist is to give the storytelling enough to do. But I've honestly found like the port- you could have spent more time on the existing character. You know, like I yes, think you I, I ultimately found myself like most drawn to like the story of like Winston and Frankie and like their past. And I, I would have much rather had a show that was half the running time and spent much more of that on their upbringing, more time with Frankie, more time paying off the emotional arc for, for Winston. Cause it's ultimately what the share, the show cares about the most, like everything interlocks with Winston's past, his relationship with Frankie and everything kind of plays off of that. And I ultimately they end up like Winston ends up a little betrayed by not having more time giving that emotional payoff and all these other characters are then betrayed by there's just not enough time to give you anything interesting to do. Like you see the information on the page and some of it's shot and portrayed in the show, but it's just not given enough time to breathe, to be anything more than it feels like it's, it's not just filler, but it's not given enough time to feel like it rises far beyond that. Uh, completely agree, Patrick. And I think you make a great point about the use of violence in the movies. Um, there's a quote from David Lowry that I read or heard a long time ago, and I actually went down this rabbit hole. I, I spent like you ever get down one of those Google rabbit holes where you're trying to find one article that you read mm-hmm. a long time ago, and you just can't, and you're like subtracting and adding words and limiting <laughs> it to specific websites, and you still can't find it. I couldn't find this quote. I won't say what movie it's from because I don't want to spoil anything. But he was talking about how the the writer director David Lowry was once talking about how. Uh, in one of his movies, you know, he he was planning to put a shootout in one of his movies as like one of the culminating events of one of his films. And he decided to not put a shootout there. And he said the reason was because whenever he sees a shootout in a movie, he's always wondering about these characters' stories, like the people who get shot, you know? Uh, and it's like, what is it like, what is it about that character's journey that made it end there? Like, why did it have to end there? And why did it have to end in this horrifying way? Uh, of course, I thought frequently, I couldn't find this quote. Uh, it was a quote I read maybe in a, in a dream a decade ago. <laughs> uh, but of course, I definitely thought about this quote when I was watching John Wick, like the actual movies, because he kills like a hundred people in those movies. <laughs> uh, and it's like, it's just like, yeah, you know, I, I want to see the backstory of the guy who is like, you know, death number 37 in the nightclub. Like, you know, that guy probably woke up and kissed his wife and kid goodbye and was like, hey, I'm going for another shift at the old, you know, Russian mafia factory today. You know, like, <laughs> here, here we go. You know, I'm sen- I'm probably sending money back home to feed my my parents and their parents. And I have a lot of responsibilities. Boom. He just gets like completely double tapped by John Wick randomly that night, you know, uh, and and you're right. The movies have largely been. Uh, hey, look how cool this is. Don't think about these people's stories. These people don't have stories, right? They don't have stories. Um, violence has no real consequences other than on John Wick. Um, this show, The Continental, tries to broaden out our aperture and make us think about, hey, maybe violence does have consequences, and it makes for a really incongruous uh, sort of tone to what the, the rest of the show and the series of films it's based off of uh, is. So Right, because I assume... You know, were you to take the John Wick set pieces, like, there's collateral damage happening here. Oh, yeah. There are people at these nightclubs who are dying unnecessarily as there John are, there Wick. There are people who are permanently disabled because of John Wick who didn't do anything wrong. They just and, and not just like, necessarily the bouncers who are trying to stop, but just, like, these set pieces frequently, like, the, the, there's, you know, a set piece in, in, in Chapter 4 that takes place with a bunch of cars, like, circling, I forget what, yeah. the, what is the... Um, the spot in Ar- Arctic uh, Triumph. Arctic yes, Triumph. yes. Like you trying to tell me none of those cars like <laughs> swerved and bashed into someone, and like some child, like two year old child, isn't dead because of John Wick piling up his bodies there. Forget about and- that. Someone, someone got whiplash that they're going to need to use their insurance c- company for for years afterwards. Right. You know, but just who like- cares? Like I don't. Like I'm not. Like I am not there to care about that. And and the movies are 
extremely good about communicating their arguably playful tone with violence, which is like, this is cool. Like, we're not here to make you feel bad. Like, these do feel like we're doing really cool action figures bashing each other in the most uh, balletic way possible. Like, enjoy that part of it. Don't worry so much about the other stuff. And the moment you, like, take a, you know, a hammer and start cracking into that, you either got to go all the way through and, like, find something meaningful to say on the other side. And here it's just, like, I don't know that the show does. And, and frankly, a huge part of that is, like, a lack of – we get nothing with Cormac, right? Like, n- no insight into this character, their motivations. Like, they're just a mustache-twirling evil villain. I don't even know why the high table doesn't like them that much, except like <laughs> that guy kind of sucks, right? Be really mm-hmm. nice if he didn't control the continental. Why not just take him out? Like I don't understand why everyone is just so like so like all that stuff. I think adds up to a place that you and I get to at the show where you just don't really buy what it's selling. Um, well, one of the things we talked about in our first episode was it, it's nice that the show doesn't get too far up its own ass with regards to the mythology of the Continental and so on. And then I think it ended up getting a little bit too far up its own ass with the, the mythology. You know, like yeah. I think it really because as we discussed, John Wick is a show is a movie series where if you dig a little bit deeper, it doesn't really make any sense. It's like, what? what why is that? That doesn't. Why would you organize things that way? That doesn't. This feels like a really ridiculous economy, and so on. Um, anyway, and and I think like the show draws attention to a lot of those things. Uh, the the other thing I just want to point out before we move on is, uh, Sharon, like his whole backstory. I I feel like if there was gonna be a character who we really nailed the backstory of, that would have been a more interesting one, right? Because spoilers for john wick chapter four so here comes the spoilers for john wick chapter four tune out if you don't want to know what happens in john wick chapter four but in john wick chapter four sharon is killed and it's actually like a a a somewhat powerful death you're like Mm -hmm. oh here's a guy who's been and it's like uh the opportunity for a show like the continental is to retroactively give that death more meaning right is to be like oh wow like now that death hits even harder now that i know about the events of the of uh the continental uh, that's somewhat true because you know that him and Winston have been working together for a long time uh, and you understand that uh, on a more visceral level. But I, I don't think they did any flashbacks with Sharon, right? I don't think they did anything, right? A lot of the Sharon stuff happens off screen. They might have done like a dream sequence or something, but like the, a lot of the Sharon stuff happens off screen. And as a result, it really feels not impactful to me. Like, I, I don't think they nailed the Sharon backstory in the way that, that I think they were hoping for. What do you think, Patrick Lepic? Well, they just don't make any impression. Yeah, they don't spend much time with it, right? Like you essentially get a handful of lines about his father, like growing up. uh, You know, uh, you know, like like many parents, like wanting their children to have more than they did, to have opportunities they didn't. Which, to be fair, is like a pretty rote, like you know what I mean. Like, like that's like seen that one before. But if you're going to do that, like give it some weight, give it some import, and. Here it feels, it frequently feels like scrambling, like towards the end and be like, ah, why is he, okay, why is he here? Like, why is he so, like, mm, don't have a great explanation for that. Dads, sad dad story. Like, everyone, that's easy. Like, Mm -hmm. check mark. And I, I just, it's for as long as the show has in terms of a running time, I think it again goes back to this point that you made about the juggling of characters in which, the characters you end up caring about towards the end in terms of if you're going to go this prequel path, give me something meaningful to say about them. And look, all these characters they invented for the show. Um, I don't care about them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for prequel shows, like you, you, you can make that investment, but it's a harder sell versus characters that I know in the present or the future rather. Uh, and like, what what does this say about their time in the past? And you know, you get to the end of this show and like, I'm way more interested in the adventures they go on after the credits roll on this, which would seem to say more about their relationship than anything that's established in the show. Because I mean, this will happen later in our, our, our like recap, but the, 
it turns out that the character we're following for three episodes, Winston, is not the one that had a meaningful relationship with Sharon. Like, it was his brother who dies in the first episode. And thus, we can't have any meaningful interactions between the two because it has to be a plot twist at the end. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a bunch of backstory or flashbacks that could have, I think, done more to establish uh, a connection between these these various characters. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sharon, and, and also, like, I just want to say, I don't know. I don't know. As an immigrant myself, I don't know how I feel about Sharon's, like, decision at the end to basically be like, I don't need to care about my family anymore. Like, <laughs> my real family, I have a, I have a whole family here now. And it's like, uh, that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, I got to say. Because I'm not saying that immigrants shouldn't embrace their new life and assimilate in this country. Like I, I, it's very much something I did, but I think like the, the challenge that many immigrants face and many, I think do a pretty good job at is, is balancing the two, like loyalty to what has come before and embracing what is in the now. And I think that's like kind of like uh, what a lot of us try to do. And it felt a bit pat yeah. for me, what happened with Sharon at the end. So anyway, um, but I will say, look, Patrick, the fact that we're even talking about stuff like that, like themes like that, I, I do give the show some credit for like introducing some more deep ideas into the John Wick universe than just, you know, Keanu Reeves, shoot guy, go boom. You know, like that's, uh, th- I, that I, is give credit, sh- I give it credit as far as you'd have to do that for this show to work, <laughs> but well, I, mean, I think no, it goes I, back I to, a- I don't agree. I don't agree. I think, I think the show could have been nonstop action, but they probably just didn't have the budget for it. Right. Right. Um, right. 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 So right, agreed. But like in, in theory, it could have been, you know, uh, I don't know what it would have taken for that to happen, but you know, maybe, maybe this was a situation where, uh, I, I think we talked about how like, uh, we talked about the Barbie movie, right? And how they had all these movies that were like, people were pitching movies that they wanted to do, and they just kind of tetrising them into the to the Mattel and Hasbro universe, right? So it's like a movie about urban hip hop uh, is is it taking place in the Ub- the Uno universe. Like it's a movie called Uno, but it's about like hip hop. Um, and it's like mm, this. Maybe that actually feels like just the movie about hip hop you wanted to make, and then you're making it Uno, so it'll get greenlit. Mm-hmm. I, I do wonder: was this a whole different story that someone wanted to tell that they just kind of like? And the main character is Ian McShane from John Wick. You know, like uh, it's like I, I, I want to tell a story about the sprawling band of immigrants. No, I, now that I say it out loud, it doesn't make any sense because it's pretty specific. This story, it, the the idea of assaulted on a hotel. Anyway. Um, in both episodes of the show, they're assembling a team to take down Cormac and, by extension, the Continental. The plan involves tricking Cormac into believing Sharon is loyal and letting down his guard before disabling the red alarm that allows killing at the Continental and letting them raid the hotel's personal armory. Uh, this plan largely goes to shit and everyone is forced to improvise. Let's talk a little bit about this. So I, I will say, speaking about death and the impact of it, one of the more impactful deaths in the show is Sharon's cello playing friend and the way they filmed him getting murdered uh was really brutal like i was just i was actually like impressed at how they did it like just the filmmaking of how they did it because it's like um they show mel gibson's character kind of uh bludgeoning him to death basically and at times it looks like oh the actual actor is there like getting hurt um, so anyway, they did a, like from a filmmaking, like practically perspective, I thought they did a good job. Um, but yeah, it's like, that was one of the more emotional moments is like cello playing guy whose name I don't recall. Uh, I, I, and I can't find him on the cast list because every time I look up continental cast, it's like, here are the top 20 characters of which he is not one. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's just reinforcing <laughs> your point that, wow, this show has too many characters that it's, that it's, that it's dealing with. Right, right. Um, <laughs> Uh, but he kind of asked Sharon to like go run away with him. And I think there's kind of this hint that maybe I was going to say, um, I got some yeah. like, uh, like that, that, that might be like, ro- there might be romantic interest there, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. In a series that broadly doesn't deal in those sorts of emotions. Right. I, mm, I thought yeah. that, and it's, and that was actually, if you're going to give nuance to a character, we know very little about, which is true of Sharon in the, in the films. I, 
the way he is portrayed in the films is like very stoic, like lack of emotion. Yes. Very. uh, And obviously we know like someone, someone that's doing that is doing a performance. What are they hiding? Like, and there's an opportunity in this show to reveal on one hand, it's a performance for trying to be, you know, excellent in a new country to succeed, like to be loyal, like to find your place. And then at the same time, it also means like shoving down like what makes you feel human and alive. And clearly there's a connection that he has with this this musician that I don't think the musician asks that question unless they've gotten a vibe. Um, we don't know how far that vibe it was if it's just a vibe or there's something else that's happened between the two. But I I found that to be actually one of the more interesting and additive wrinkles they gave to a character in the show that in many ways only just exaggerated my complaints with elsewhere in which like, Oh, like this is a thread I wish we had pulled on more and we're going to pull on it right before we get a golf club <laughs> and, and destroy any ability to, to, to pull on it any further, which I thought was, was yeah. too bad. It, it becomes motivation for Sharon to betray Cormac uh, and and uh, it is worth acknowledging the bury your gaze trope. This idea that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of gay characters are introduced only to be killed. Um, and I am a little bit uh, bummed out that this I, I think probably is a textbook example of that. Is my yeah. is my guess? You know, well, and it's not uh, even just killed. It is there is no more brutal kill. Yeah, in it's probably the, the show. most brutal kill in the show. Yeah. You know, there are there are there are there are kills where people are exploded that are more grotesque, that are more (laughs) bombastic. But in terms of like viscerally feeling like the the weight of a of a death and like the anger and violence behind it, like the the shot lingers for a long time when Cormac uh, executes uh, the musician. And so you, I think you're right. Like it's both. I think I think. It's a weakness of the storytelling in the sense that, oh, you found something potentially interesting to do with this character, and then you immediately play into like a very well-worn trope that yeah. uh, that you should be avoiding. Indeed. Um, okay, let's talk about what happens in the finale. So the there's a there's a big finale. I would say you know the finale is over ninety minutes long, uh, and of that, probably thirty to forty five minutes is uh is action um and i gotta say patrick lepic that there were some decent action in the finale there's two specific fight scenes i really loved uh but overall i was a little bit underwhelmed by the by the finale like i i didn't think the finale did a great job of conveying progress uh the idea is that you you have these characters fighting through waves and waves of guys and it's difficult to make that all feel meaningful and impactful uh and as opposed to just like we're just having a bunch of random fight scenes like that and it felt more like the latter than like oh i see how each fight scene is like progressing you know uh the story in some way in john wick chapter four let's just put john wick chapter four as an example like uh literally at the end of that movie he needs to get to the top of a thing right like he has a destination and he's like i'm go- i need to go from point a to point b and you have a very pretty clear idea of like oh he's advancing from you know to the like these specific locations uh that unfortunately is absent really from the continental as far as i can tell yes they're trying to get into the armory but then like after that it just feels like a bunch of random stuff happens you know that to me that's what the feeling was what do you think of how the the We'll talk about some of the specific action scenes, but how did you feel about the structure of the final episode? No, I, I fully agree. And I think it also, I have no sense of place for this hotel. What is its structure? How big right. is it? Um, where are people coming from? How many people are there? Right. Uh, it feels right. extremely- How many people are there is a big one. Like It feels extremely know. arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, it gives yeah. me no sense of scale for what they're up against. And what starts as- like in the second episode is a lot of setting up a heist uh, is, is setting up a plan. It makes sense to me in the, you know, having Sharon have a moment of weakness where when forced to actually pull the trigger on, on Cormac is, is unable to do so that that's fine. But it's just like after that moment, like the show is uninterested in having you 
have a great sense of what are people doing in relation to one another? How is this connected to that? How is this benefiting this other part of the group? All The only connective tissue that you have over the course of all of this is like right when the show needs it, that sniper shot is going to go off and conveniently take somebody out that like needs to be taken out. And look, it's a funny bit. Like I, it was probably one of the highlights of, of the episode. The actor is, is, is great. And the little uh, bit that's happening with the, the housewife there, at least the, you know, is, is, is good. But yeah, I, in a heist, you want to know what the stakes are moment to moment. And I just got none of that here. And that alongside, I just don't buy that these people were capable of pulling off what they just did. Like, like this is supposed to be a a hotel full of the world's greatest assassins, and this largely ragtag group of people fought their way through it. I, I just like on a on a broader well, scale, I just don't buy it as a as a well. Viewer. What you find out right is that <laughs> in in one of the more ridiculous plot elements of the show, I think. I mean. The whole idea that there's a Bowery King played by Lawrence Fishburne, um, who's I, I think whose predecessor we meet in the show, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, and the idea is like she she said she uh, she gives these unhoused people recognition and dignity, and as a result, they will become assassins for her. And that's already a lot for me to buy that there's a whole team of underground assassins who are like just un, you know and then it's like but we gave them all suits uh-huh and we gave, we gave them all suits and uh and gave them all coins that we minted from this press and checked them into the hotel and they helped to form this huge army of people um it's kind of um it kind of just makes me ask a lot of questions like you know uh <laughs> It, it just makes me ask several questions about the whole setup that I don't think the show is is ready to answer. Correct. But putting that aside, um, I agree with what you're saying about how like we don't know how many of those people there are versus the other people. Like we don't get any sense of progress. We don't get any sense of numbers. And I do think that is uh, a, a challenge. I think the show tries. You know, it tries to show us like security footage of like things blowing up and and people taking down other people. But like I don't think it ultimately succeeds. But I will point to two great action scenes in this uh, sequence. One is uh, the scene where the two, I want to say siblings, right? One of which is Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lou and her brother Miles uh, face off against one of the assassins. Uh, and that was cool. That was really cool when the assassin eventually uses pool table items to like subdue them both. I thought that was like a really cool idea. Uh, and then uh, the little Asian boy that Lou helped, I guess, like helps to save them from the situation, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you just know. drops the gun. Yeah, from just the drops ceiling. the gun. Like, but with the gun, which by the way looks like a freaking, you know, civil cannon. war. Yeah, civil yeah, war <laughs> like civil war relic. Weapon, right? <laughs> uh, but I really thought that was that was amazing. Like that, the whole fight sequence was pretty well done, and and the idea of like using pool like pool table items. Um, to subdue them both is great. And then the fight that Yen has with the other assassin's uh, sister, I thought was actually really great. Like like horror movie style. Yeah. It was like, because basically that girl is like a contortionist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like at one point you think her neck is broken or or her body's all effed up. But nope, that's actually well within the tolerance of what she can actually move in. <laughs> and she like rises up and it's like, wow, that is a, I've never seen anything like that before. Whereas like, uh, people are having a big hand-to-hand fight, and there's this horror, like this character takes on horror movie qualities. Uh, I thought that was really well done. What do you think? Uh, were, were there any? What do you think of those scenes, Patrick? And did anything stick out for you? No, the, the yeah, the scene with Yen and the sister of the twins was uh, as a like huge horror movie buff. Like the fact that John Wick then like dipped its toes into I feel like cribbing from those sorts of aesthetics for a fight scene. It just kind of like kept surprising me. Like even the sequence in the water where they get underground or like they're, they're both underwater and you can't tell who yeah. is stabbing who it gives. It just get a great, it's it a great sense of place and style. And, and importantly, what I thought was interesting about it was that frequently this show falls. And part of why I was having trouble buying a lot of these characters getting into fight scenes is like, Oh, they're all just kind of doing a variation of what John wick does of like the kind of like, 
you know, hand-to-hand combat, like, gunkata sort of thing that, yeah, but that that's his thing. Like, why is it their thing, right. too, other than just being this is how the show Well, it's has from the world of John Wick. I don't know if you're aware of that. Right? I know, but, like, it's, like, these Vietnam vets that, like, have been running guns, like, underground. Like, I just don't buy some of that fight style for them, even if it's, like, cool in, in the moment. Right. But well, there, well, why don't they have different fight styles? Like that would make more sense for them to have a different right, fight style. Right, right, and that's what I found so appealing about that specific sequence was like having this the sister of the twins be this kind of contortionist, and then also just the way Yen fights. It just each of them had a different style they brought to the fight itself, and then in in concert with the choreography and the way they deployed the set pieces, and then the ex, like the final bit, like of like having her explode was great um you know like the whole it's probably the like other than the the scene at the beginning of episode one when frankie is escaping with the uh coin press and is going through the stairs is probably like the show is kind of bookended by like these two really terrific sequences that are good for different reasons like frankie and the coin press i think is impressive because it's in many ways like the closest approximation to just if you kind of squint, it's sort of like Keanu Reeves is going through the stairwell and like whipping right. around a coin right. press. It just happens to be Frankie. And here it's on the other end. It's the show carving out a little bit of its own identity or what the, the Wix movies do like at their best is, oh, this is the one where he has to use X weapon or X set piece and, and adapt his fighting style um, instead of just doing what he normally does. And so I'm yeah. with you that that was really successful, really visually interesting and you can see why they save stuff like that for these key moments because you can't, there's only so much you can do in a show this long, but uh, if anything, it only just sort of exaggerates the parts that don't, don't work, uh, you know, in, in, in its wake. Yeah. Uh, so when we were putting together kind of the notes for this episode, uh, I, I said, to, you know, Patrick usually writes these recaps and I said, Patrick, you can keep it simple uh, for this one. Like, I don't think we need to. I don't think it's worth delving into all this mythology of these characters, uh, especially because I don't know if we're going to get a season two of the show. But uh, Patrick, you le- you completely left out the subplot of Lou and I think that Asian dude Chen, mm-hmm. uh, right, out of this thing, and uh, for good reason because uh, I don't <laughs> think anyone cared. Um, but the one thing I do want to mention about that whole this whole subplot of Lou and and this idea that like. Um, she wants to hang on to this dojo, but like these Chinese gangsters want to take it away from her or whatever and whatever, like the, the whole show, right. Is about like people trying to move on from their past in some way. That's kind of what the whole, every character has some version of that. And for Lou, it's this dojo that her dad made. Um, and there's a really cool scene with Lou and Chen where he says, hey, uh, it's disrespectful to call it a dojo because dojo is Japanese. It should be called a kun. And there's a whole, um, I think there's a lot of history of like Asian cultures um, uh, and, you know, borrowing things from black culture and vice versa uh, that I think that conversation really got at and hinted at like uh, what might have been a much more deep and, interesting show but that wouldn't have had as many kills you know and it's just like oh that's kind of an interesting idea okay well time to blow it all up you know time to like explode it <laughs> quite literally uh, just right 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 click a exactly so it was kind of like oh kind of you know with the yen and the suicide bombing and you know the idea of like why do they call it a dojo and that's cultural appropriation that's inappropriate and you know like there's a lot of like interesting ideas sprinkled mm-hmm. throughout the show that i don't think like unfortunately i don't think really pay off um yeah but but I did want to give that a shout out before never talking about it again. Uh, be- before no one ever talking about it again. Okay. Uh, so uh, we get some closure in the finale. KD forgives Winston for his actions. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. I think we have to say the KD Mayhew storyline, the juice was not worth the squeeze on that one, right? No, like, no. You could have completely excised that character from the entire show. Wouldn't have made a difference. Like the Winston trauma is sufficient for like what is happening there. And you can still have the same reveal of someone was like, there's a different way of having a version of the Katie character in which someone survived this horrific fire that Winston and Frankie like started in, in their, in their youth. But broadly, it seems like the Katie character 
exists exists just for that reveal at the end just not for just for that reveal but i also have to wonder if when you're pitching this show is like you're you're like in theory people who watch john wick are watching this show but you also need to write it in a way that people who didn't watch john wick might be watching the show because they just have peacock for whatever reason and so the character of katie and mayhew end up acting as this audience surrogate we're like mm. hey like this hotel's pretty weird. Like, why are there coins? Like, they've got guns. You know what I mean? And so the show ends right. up spending a lot of time investigating something that we as the audience, like the quote target audience, already know. And if it's in service of illuminating something we don't know, okay, then I, I see why you need these characters to have these realizations. But that ends up going absolutely nowhere and ends up being a disservice to the storytelling as a whole because we spend so much time with characters who are like, wow. Like, we don't even get the like the whole Mayhew thing that I thought might pay off at some point where it's like, don't go in there. Like, why is why is he so scared of the Continental? Are they are they buying off politicians? Have they infiltrated? Is the high table like infiltrated the police? Well, he, I think he knows they're full of assassins, you know? Like, I, I know, think but he, like, but yeah. there's, but like, yes, I, I agree with you, but I thought that was going to go somewhere right. other than he's just sad that he can't, commit infidelity anymore like that's you, sort of all the main character goes like oh like i can't i can't have you, sex with kd anymore <laughs> you make a great point though which is that in the john wick movies we generally don't have people reacting to how ridiculous everything is it's just right? taken like, for granted it just, it's just it everything's taken for granted so it's it is nice to have like an audience circuit character who's like what's going on here but i think you really had to structure this differently like i think kd like there's a there's a case for kd being the main character and like that's that we begin and end the story with Katie. Like that, that's a possible way you could have structured this. Get them have caught up. Like the idea of someone getting accidentally caught up right. in the world of the continental is an interesting idea. Whether you can pull it off yeah. different story, but it is a, for something that is usually just about, like we talked about before, like insiders dealing with insiders. It's like, Oh, well, Katie is an outsider dealing with insiders. That could have been something interesting. It is not. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, and Mayhew, like, what was the point of him being in the show at all? Like, I don't even understand that. Okay, anyway. Um, so Katie forgives Winston for killing her entire family. <laughs> um, because, <laughs> because Cormac exploited him as a kid. Uh, Yen blows up the sister of the twins who killed her lover. Lou kills the brother of the twins using her father's gun. Sharon realizes the father figure in his life was only a mirage and seeks acceptance in a found family. And Winston, using what his brother Frankie left behind the coin press as leverage to seize the Continental, obviously mints a bunch of coins for the uh, the Bowery Queen, I guess is you know is her name, uh, is how she might be known. I think she also has a name in the show. Um, her, uh, her army of folks, you know, using it to seize the Continental. I thought there was going to be a whole scene, Patrick, where the adjudicator comes back and is like, and says, hey, um... Wow, you've killed Cormac. That you have proven your worth, and therefore I bestow upon you the Continental. Um, but no, that's not what happens. Instead, Winston just murders the adjudicator, and I guess seizes control, and everyone's just cool with it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. The entire who controls the Continental? Why? I, again, like I never understood the adjudicator. Like in is essentially brought in originally to be like, ah, this Cormac guy, like we are fucking tired of this guy's bullshit. And then, you know, they, I guess let, you know, Winston take care of it for them. And then when they come to be like, Hey, thanks. But like, you know, this isn't quite how it works. <laughs> she just gets got like just shot on the street. And then her bodyguard who, whose defining characteristic is that like, he seems to get horny when he commits violence. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Remember how he was like, brushing the head of the guy when he was beating the crap out. Like he has a bit of a, a strange mm -hmm. violence fetish that is not explored. It's just, it's just a character yeah, it's, trait. It's I color. guess it's color. It's yeah. just color. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't get any of that either. Like there, it's just sort of yada, yada, yada. Like, I don't know. He's got a coin press and like, just take those coins out of circulation. Like, can't we do, like, are they marked with something? Can't the high table, this authority going back to the Roman empire that is everywhere is just like, well, I don't know. He's in the sh he's squatters' <laughs> rights, I guess. Like he's in that hotel. <laughs> yeah, it just it just made it reinforced this whole idea. The way the Winston that Winston assumes power 
just reinforce this idea that this whole world is just bullshit, you know? Yeah. Which I don't have a problem with in the John no. Wick movies, but like if you're trying to make a whole show out of it that has deep mythology and lore, I think is more of a problem. So anyway, any other, f- so the show closes with Winston stirring a drink now in charge at the hotel that's haunted him. And I guess he's just like, Hey, uh, let's run this place from now on. You know, let's, I was doing, I was trying to sell parking lots earlier, but, uh, this is nicer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sure. I might need to be looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life, but, uh, whatevs, you know, <laughs> Uh, Not just great. a, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a season two of this show. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think so either. David, um, and I, I think it's a, if anything, it, we have, it comes at a really interesting time, right? The writer's strike, uh, seems to be oh, like, as of this recording, you know, the union voted for their, their updated contract. Um, in theory that will lead to the, the actors being able to uh, get a contract in the, in the near future. And it brings us a really interesting pivot point where we saw the expansion far beyond what the industry and really the audience could handle of just making stuff where IP is gold. And what you do with that IP is make things around it. You know, that's uh, and John Wick is one of those where they looked at, hey, these movies are very popular. What if we made a TV show around it? And I think this show is only made in this very specific era of how we're making television and how we how we treat intellectual property uh i don't think this show is made 10 years ago i don't think it's made 10 years from now and i think serves as a really interesting lesson in like what can and cannot a property support you know we talk a lot about a lot of people talk a lot about like andor right it's like oh wow like look you can take something that should not work and make one of the best television shows arguably of all time. But that is just such an outlier. I think more often what we're seeing is like, Hey, expansion for expansion's sake within a property that people have an affinity for is really just playing with fire because who is it for? What is it servicing? And can it actually support what you're trying to do? And do I think there's a world where a John Wick TV show is good? Yes. I don't think this undercuts the concept entirely, but I think it shows a degree of difficulty in pulling it off and that by all accounts, you know, you're more familiar with the filmmakers and the creative talent behind it than I am. These are not like novices. These are people who came in, um, have worked in film for a long time. And broadly, I don't think this works. And I think it mostly just goes to show how hard it is to do something like this and how I expect us to see much less of it going forward. Yeah, I do think we are... There, there was this big moment in time where it's like, as you said, make as much stuff as possible, grow as quickly as possible, and be the next, ne- the next Netflix, you know. And people spent and spent and spent, and they made things like Mrs. Davis and uh, Twisted Metal and The Continental <laughs> from the world of John Wick. And- Those are all Peacock shows. Did you mean to do that on purpose? Those are all Peacock shows. <laughs> Just one after another. One of which I feel bad for not having watched before. Miss Davis, yeah. that one I still need to watch. Some interesting stuff going on there. But yeah, uh, those are shows where, um, you know, Miss Davis is not based on the existing universe. But yeah, I, I think you're right that five to ten years from now, we're gonna we're not going to be seeing stuff like this anymore. We're, but we're like, all that stuff was greenlit years ago. And it was put into motion years ago. And now we're seeing the fruit of it. And, you know, Patrick, as we can attest to, like, uh, this fall, there's just a ton of amazing TV coming out. And then like probably spring and summer of next year, it's not going to be that way, right? It's going to be very different because there was a strike and um, and also because we are, the, the era of peak TV is over, uh, I think. And so, yeah, this is the, the vestigial remnants of that. Uh, I think The Continental is one of those shows and uh, and it's it'll we'll look back on it as an interesting curiosity, I think. But I'm really glad to have discussed it with you right here on Decoding TV. And you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of The Continental and become a paid member at decodingtv.com. Support this podcast. Help us to keep going long into the future. All right. Uh, he is Patrick Klepik. You can find more of his work at crossplay.news and at Remap Radio, wherever podcasts can be downloaded. I am David Chen. Uh, next week, we'll be covering more Loki Uh, So look forward to that right here on Decoding TV. Until then, goodbye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 